following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the show, everybody. Episode 832 of I Doubt It Podcast. I am your host, <laughs> Jesse Dollimore, joined today by the lovely, talented, and scholarly co-host, Brittany Page. Well, I got a text this past week, which was a little weird. And we're not going to say the business name because this person tried mm. to make it right. And yeah. I don't want to shame the business owner because they tried to make it right. Although this, mm. this interaction didn't go super great. For I think them. they fucking panicked is what happened. I don't think they like, Oh, I really made a mistake. I think it's <laughs> anyway, I didn't know you were going to talk about it at the opener, but this is great. Okay. I forgot about this. So I got a text. This is what it said. Hi, Brittany. Hope you're doing well. It's been a while since your last stay. Popeye is welcome. Anytime. We appreciate you. If you're happy, we'd love for you to tell your friends or family about us. The best way to reach us is blah, blah, blah. Have a free night on your next day. We offer dog baths too. Have a great day. So I was very confused because Popeye died in July of 2021. So it's been more than a year and I'm getting this text message out of the blue. I don't know what this company is. So I responded just to be removed from the list. And I said, hi, I'm not sure who this is, but Popeye passed away in July 2021. Please remove me from whatever list this is. Now, hang on. (laughs) I know you just want to read the next text in succession. I think it would be better, though, if we ruminate Mm -hmm. a little bit on what the natural response would be yeah especially if you're in the business of caring for pets Mm -hmm. to find out that a pet that you ostensibly you claim you've cared for in the past Mm -hmm. had died right would it not be oh my god we're so sorry to hear that Mm -hmm. our thoughts are with you we really enjoyed popeye um blah 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 yeah. It seems like that if someone said to me my my pet died, it's always oh god, I'm, I'm very sorry to hear that. Yeah. Anytime we tell someone passing on the street who sees Sweepy and wants to talk about bulldogs, mm-hmm. and we happen to bring up we love the breed, we had one, he died, it's always just effusive sorrow and and sympathy for us. Yeah. What was the response when you said Popeye had died. Sorry to hear. If you get another pup, have a free weekend on us. Wow! <laughs> Followed up by a text going into detail about the additional services that they provide, including photos of the place where they keep their dogs. Sorry about your dead dog. Here's a coupon for your new dog. Yeah. <laughs> so, because I'm in a mood, right, with you going through cancer... Wait. Wait, what? Yeah, you have cancer. And I, I'm i I'm in a mood. I'm not in the mood for this kind of shit. And so I responded, Jesus Christ, what a soulless reply. We'll be sure to tell everyone in SoCal not to go here. Thank you. And 
So we got into a little bit of a back and forth and I felt like this person was genuinely wanting feedback on how to better approach this situation when a dog is dead. And you'd think that they wouldn't need the coaching if they work with animals and this is what they do. They run a business and have apparently for years. They never, by the way, cared for Popeye. Popeye went to this place. It was a possible place we were going to bring Popeye for dog sitting. It was the place where he fell in their ungated pool. Right, because he's blind. And I hurt my shoulder reaching down to the bottom of the pool or near to yank him out. Which is why he didn't end up staying there because he's blind and fell into the pool and had to be saved. Just on the visit to test drive to see what their situation was, he fell in the fucking pool. Yeah. Can you... Anyway, proceed. Yeah, so I just, I I was kind of a dick at one point, and I, they were asking me, like, listen, we cared for Popeye, you asked who, who we were, so we just reminded you we weren't trying to do anything, and so I quoted the sorry to hear if you, if you ha- get another pup, have a free weekend on us, and I said, or read another way with a radio DJ voice, if you've already got a replacement pup ready, have a free night on us, a cool Ooh. business approach. <laughs> Wacky morning zoo, everybody, good times. Hey, listen, if you already got a replacement dog to replace your dead dog, come on down, and we can uh, give you a free weekend (laughs) so they ended up texting me a few more times and said help me understand your point of view and so i like broke it down for them it's like you're 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 interacting with one of those like chat bots like oh was this too robotic explain to us how we can be more human no i feel like i was texting larry david who's approaching (laughs) me and saying the sorry window has closed Because it's been too long since Popeye has died that the sorry window is closed. So I don't get to hear sorry anymore. It's time to move on. Can I explain that scene very briefly for those who don't watch uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm? So Larry's sitting with a girlfriend out at the pool, I think it was. And... She, he's explaining something, something. And she goes, oh, my dad died two years ago. He's like, oh. And then moves on. <laughs> and she's offended that he didn't, like, offer his deep condolences and, and whatever. Right. And he's like, well, don't you think the sorry window has closed? Yeah. <laughs> it's been two or three or five years or however long it had been. Yeah. And some people out there listening to this may think the same thing. Like, what, what did we expect? Well, I just don't expect for them to immediately be like trying to sell me on their business and talking about a replacement dog. I mean, I just, it seems We understand that you feel bad about your dead dog. Here's a coupon to make you feel better. Yeah. Sorry to hear. If you get another pup, have a free weekend on us dog emoji. So I explained to them, (laughs) I explained to them that, you know, I understand they're trying to run a business. They need to make money. But maybe don't lead with that, you know, like, we're sorry to hear about the loss of your pet. We'll be here in the future if a need ever arises. Like, just keep it very basic. I'm, like, teaching them how to interact with people in this text. Yeah. And eventually I just stopped. Like, I exchanged two or three messages. And then they kept asking me, like, what are your thoughts on this phrasing? What are your thoughts if we offer this? And I'm like, okay, I'm about to give my Venmo because I'm not going to do free (laughs) business consultation here unless I'm being paid. Wow, this is, uh, well, one, not a unique Britney Page, but it is an irritated Britney Page. Well, all you got to do to see irritated Britney Page is have your life partner have cancer <laughs> and uh, 
the the beast will rear its ugly head. Yeah. So you do have your surgery coming up on Wednesday. Wednesday. Your prep begins on Tuesday. Your last opportunity to eat food until, I don't know what your diet's going to look like right after surgery. Monday night is my last meal meal until I eat, again, a bullshit meal on after my surgery. She said it's going to be not just low fiber, but like no fiber meal mm-hmm. for the first couple of days mm-hmm. while my colon, where the, 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 the place of the, the detachment and reattachment begins to heal. They don't want to start shoving New York strip steaks down my throat <laughs> and then have it fuck up the operation. Yeah, they need to make sure that that watertight seal stays. She, she did use the phrase watertight during the consul- the surgical consultation. Yeah, what an amazing what an amazing job. Very thankful for doctors, very thankful for science, very thankful for curiosity, intellectual, I mean we're going off the rails here. But anyway, uh, very thankful, but Wednesday is the day. Wednesday morning, I check into the hospital. And We're dropping you off at 10.45 a.m. You're having your who surgery. Who knows when you'll come back? Nobody knows. We're having your surgery in the <laughs> in the afternoon. Yeah. So look for an update, because the surgery is like three to four hours long, they said. So look for an update like Wednesday, late afternoon, evening, mm-hmm. on how the surgery went and how Jesse is doing. And well, you can find those updates. If you don't follow us already, I don't know who would possibly not be following. Well, I know people don't follow us on Twitter yeah. <laughs> because I know how many people listen to the show roughly. Yeah. And I know how many people follow me on Twitter and it's not the same number. Yeah. Uh, Brittany Page is at Brittany E. Page, B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y-E-P-A-G-E. And I am at Dollamore. That's both Twitter and Instagram. That's where you can you can learn about what exactly has gone on and like the most immediate updates will be mm-hmm. certainly on Twitter. Yeah, because yeah. I know people on that day are going to be thinking of you and wanting yeah. an update. And so if you're wanting that, then you can you can go there. So we are. Can, can I say a word on that also? Of course. I want to I want to thank the audience so, so much. It has been. Obviously, I mean, it goes unsaid. It's been like a fucking whirlwind in, of just uncertainty and everything else, uh, 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 emotions. And I want to thank the audience so much for for all of the reaching out that's been done, the well wishes, the positive vibes, the prayers, whatever works for you relative to thinking good things about me. I have uh, appreciated very much. It's been uh, overwhelming. There have been tens of, I mean, including YouTube comments, tens of thousands of of positive messages, and um, it feels really good. I mean, it's 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 we're in a weird, very unusual situation to to have a platform that we do of people who genuinely care about us, and just thank you guys. Yeah. So so much. Yeah. Well, and it has been. It has been difficult. You've been very tired every day. Yeah. In that right now, I'm. That's one of your symptoms. Fucking tired. That's one of your symptoms, or one of the symptoms that you had that led us to believe that there was a problem. But it has been far more amplified in recent days. And you and I have had conversations. We don't know if that's the physical impact of the cancer, if that's the emotional impact of the cancer. In some ways, I think it's probably the latter. M- me too. A-, a lot of times, because I don't. I don't exhibit anxiety or stress 
in ways that other people do. I mean, I'm sure people do it like me, but like you manifest it completely differently than me. Mm-hmm. That's I, not I a start, dig. I it's start, not a dig. I start like cleaning the entire house. Yeah, you you start focusing on minutia. Mm. Details that I think are unimportant about things. Hey, did you do this? Is this thing done? What about this thing? So the funny thing about me cleaning the house is that that (laughs) originated in childhood, actually. Shocker. I know. And I have a memory of one of the times when my mom went to the mental hospital. Life is a fucking nightmare. And (laughs) And... Uh, our youth pastor stepped in mm. so that we wouldn't go into foster care. And so it was a pretty stressful time as a kid. And <laughs> I <laughs> I have memories of cleaning the entire house. I'm talking mopping the floor. About. You seem to have a very typical life. Carpet lines. When my mom went to the mental hospital <laughs> and my youth pastor had to come and stay with us. And I'm saying one of the times. One oh, of the what? times. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what happens when you tell your counselor that you're going to murder your spouse. <laughs> Hashtag um, raised by wolves. Okay, so anyway, we... So you cleaned a lot. Yeah, and I we're talking about the different ways that we deal with stress. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's a positive outlet for me when I'm stressed, though, sure. is to start cleaning things, organizing things, well, what turning I'm talking into about, the Tasmanian devil. What I'm talking about is that, that you, there is... It's like if you look at a pond or or a body of water and there's a lot of activity on the surface, you could tell something's going on underneath. But with me, there's less activity on the surface and there's shit happening underneath that sometimes I don't even know about until I'm like, uh, it's eleven thirty in the in the morning. I'm so fucking tired. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and I'm I'm very interested to also, see Also, you know, the cancer. Yeah, I'm interested <laughs> to see if you how soon after having the cancer removed from your body will you feel an improvement on that specifically? Yeah, me too. I'm I'm excited to just see the health improvements yeah. that you will encounter. So Wednesday is surgery. I'm expected I'm expecting to to be in the hospital at least two nights, at least two nights until mm-hmm. they can monitor and make sure the watertight seal does not break and leak colon juice into the interior of my abdomen. Well, and that's what's happening too, is Tuesday you're taking two different antibiotics. Yeah. Every- and washing with like a special kill all the germs soap on my body. Well, the antibiotics are to reduce the amount of bacteria in your colon, yeah. apparently, which will help reduce the risk of other issues happening during surgery just to make sure you're as clean as possible going in since you're dealing with your filthy, filthy colon. (laughs) I also have to drink that gallon and and change of uh, Gavilite, the Mm -hmm. fucking not great. I mean, it it, it is a small price to pay to not die of cancer, you know, when you're putting in those those terms. Mm Mm-hmm. But uh, it's going to be your preferred snack after a while. Oh yeah, I'm just going to develop. <laughs> it's a your taste beverage for it. of choice. <laughs> uh, uh, can I make an old fashioned out of that? <laughs> <laughs> it would be disgusting if you did, but it, it most uh, most certainly would. I- anyway, uh, we love you guys. We appreciate you very much. Uh, we have one call to get to before we move on with the show, and before we do that. Uh, Nothing else. We're just going to get to the call. Hi, Brittany and Jesse. It's Maya. Um, I just wanted to share uh, 
that I, I, I know what you guys are going through. My husband was diagnosed with colon cancer at the age of 37. Um, and you were talking about, Jesse, the, having the genetic testing. Um, my husband had a gene um, that determined what kind of chemo we could get. Um, we traveled to MD Anderson and the Mayo Clinic for things, and I won't get into all of that. But um, because my husband was diagnosed with colon cancer so young, my children, in fact, have to start getting uh, colonoscopies at the age of 24 um, because of that. But, Brittany, I just wanted to um, reach out to you and tell you the joy, the heartbreak, the sadness that being a caregiver can be. Like, I would walk into every doctor's appointment with my husband with a, a Steno notebook and highlight and take notes and, like, keep track of everything that was going on with my husband. Um, but, uh, Jesse, um, you guys are talking about laughter and having, keeping things fun. Um, we used to call ourselves uh, card players. So when my husband was on his chemo, he would do, um, we would play the cancer card. Like if there was the last cookie, um, he would say, I'm playing my cancer card. I'm playing my cancer card because I want the last cookie. Or I would, when on his off chemo days, I would say, um, yeah, I don't feel like running or doing this. I'm playing my cancer card. So we laugh. The doctors, every surgery, we would talk about, um, the doctors would be like, you guys are having way too much fun with this. We just laughed. It was the way we dealt with it. It might have been dark humor, but that's how we dealt with our cancer. And you deal with your cancer is the way you see fit and damn to everybody else. So I love you guys. Brittany, you are the best part because you are the caregiver now in that job. Just talk to people and reach out for what you need as you're going through this, too. And Jesse, be strong. Fight the good fight, my brother. Bye. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Thank you, Maya. <clears throat> um, <laughs> I know, that got me emotional. I got yeah. emotional yeah. and I'm laughing. Yeah. Um, I, I think that Brittany is an underappreciated character in this entire development because she is the, the unsung individual who is taking care of me. Because I'm allowed to be the person who is not showing external stress because she's taken all that on. I love you. I appreciate you for that. <clears throat> but rest assured, Maya, <clears throat> I play that cancer card as often as I fucking can. <laughs> Jokingly, of course. Although I had practice with it because when my daughter went through chemo two years ago, when I moved to Spokane, Washington to be with her, um, she lost all her hair very quickly with the chemo. Mm. Very aggressive uh, run of chemo that she was on. And she had her pick line out, you know, where they would just, it let, they left a thing in her arm to force the chemo in all the time during her appointments. Once a week, she went to the hospital. And uh, sometimes we're running late or whatever, and I'm speeding. And we would always joke, she and I, that if she got we got pulled over, I would just pull out the chemo card with yeah. my bald daughter and the pick line and be like, oh, we're, we're rushing to the hospital. Yeah. So, 
But I haven't really, other than jokingly, done the eye of cancer. Mm-hmm. You haven't. You've, you, there's been moments where like someone will be talking on TV about a problem that they're having that's very minuscule, and you'll be like, I have cancer. Don't they know? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, or, as or a we, joke. As a joke. We've read things on Twitter where people are bitching about things that are big and small, and I'll be like, whoa, how dare they complain about this when people out there have cancer? Yeah. And really, it is, it's an embodiment of the attitude we take with a lot of things that, yeah, there are more serious problems out there about all kinds of other things. That doesn't make those smaller problems mm-hmm. not important. Right. The world still goes on. Just because I have fucking cancer doesn't mean that, you know, minimum wage and whatever political issue that we're dealing with is not also super important that needs to be fucking addressed. So yeah, for sure. Didn't mean to get heavy, but here we are. Yeah. Well, thank you for that call, Maya. We very much appreciate you and your kindness and your support of us and the show. We also have an email to read before we move on. All right. Hey, Brittany. Hey, Jesse. I'll get straight to it. Yesterday, the Parkland shooter received a verdict from a jury of his peers that seemed to send shockwaves across the country. I was unaware that the prosecution was seeking the death penalty until I saw the news that the jury delivered a life sentence without parole. Capital punishment is legal in Florida, but I believe there is now a law that prevents a judge from overriding a jury verdict. In any case, this question of capital punishment had me twisted in knots. Yes, this 19-year-old murdered children, and that is just unforgivable. But does that mean that we as a society should make a decision to murder him in return? As a side note, this is Chad writing this email, and I just want to say that Chad and I use murder in the same way, which is to just refer to killing people, and you always correct me. And so I'm noticing (laughs) that right now because (laughs) you've corrected me so many times when I use the word murder, and you're like, no, you don't mean murder right now. Yeah. Well, also, don't say this as though I disagree that I'm like, oh, life in prison, he should have been murdered or killed. No, I'm. We're, yeah. we'll, we'll get to that. I'm All talking right. specifically about the use of murder yeah. when. I mean, when the when the the lady came to anesthetize or euthanize Papa Popeye. Yeah. You frequently, and now we've adopted the language. The lady who came to murder Popeye. Yes. Yes. <laughs> is that the ultimate punishment? Is that justice? Is it moral? Why is a life sentence without parole enough? Will any of it ever be enough? I am against capital punishment, but have moments in cases like this one where I wonder if I'm wrong. I'm an atheist, so this is not coming from a religious perspective. I would love your thoughts on this. It just makes me sad all around. As far as Dumpy Trumpy, how do you think he is going to react to getting a subpoena from the January 6th committee? Will he obey the rule of law this time? Do you think he will be found in contempt of Congress, much like Steve Bannon? Such a fucking shit show with these fucking clowns. I love you guys. Keep fighting the good fight, your friend Chad. I want to say up front that we're going to be getting to the January 6th committee thing, so we're going to talk about that later in the show. Right now, we're just yeah, going to be... Chad. Fucking all demanding and shit with your email. Jesus, calm down, brother. <laughs> we're just going to be answering the Parkland shooter verdict situation right now. And Jesse, you have thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, you, you brought it to my attention that a lot of people in the comments somewhere were incensed that the state wasn't going to kill him. Well, the internet. The internet in general. But but also, like, among liberal forums, there were people who were just outraged that the state wasn't going to kill him. Yeah. And listen, if you, 
if you're against the death penalty, and I am, so and there, but listen, there are times where I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't mind if that guy got killed. I wouldn't mind if they they put that guy down. Just betterment to society, getting rid of child molesters and fucking rapists and whatever. That's that's my lizard brain. We have to use our higher self to make these kind of determinations. And for me, maybe it's a libertarian way of thinking, but I don't believe the government, the state, should have the power to decide who lives and who dies for whatever justification. That's the ultimate power of a government. And uh, with the mistakes that are made on a daily fucking basis for things as easy as filling potholes, I'm not going to give the government, if I had a magic wand, the power to take life from citizens, even horrible monsters like Nicholas Cruz. Yeah, I'm... I used to argue and be in support of the death penalty and talk about these issues in a very dismissive way. Mm -hmm. And I think it was an uneducated position on my part. I also think it's kind of related to how I like feel about true crime right now. Like I'm very anti true crime shows. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't like that. They don't need to get the permission of the families. I don't like that. They sometimes, glamorize or glorify or I don't know make it interesting in a way that is like concerning where there's like true crime true crime girlies that have popped up that it's like a feature of their personality to be into these kinds of things every person I've ever met who's like obsessed with serial killers and shit is a fucking weirdo well and I mean I just I yes I am generalizing yeah so frankly I don't (laughs) I personally don't get it and I think again that's my history of having lived with a sociopath and um, being related to a sociopath and so not particularly interested in like how that goes for people. Yeah, just, it's not a it's, romantic proposition. Yeah, I mean, it's not fun. It's scary. Like that and, fucking show You uh, or whatever on YouTube. Yeah, so I just, I, t- I tend to... Or on to, uh, Netflix, I'm sorry. I tend to sympathize more with the the victims of those those families and what they prefer to have happen in with their stories and anyway, that's kind of beside the point, but I... But have, not for the death penalty case, like in this case. Yeah, so it's kind of inconsistent logic, I guess, but I I have always felt like, get rid of people who do bad things. Who cares? You, you've, you've done something bad, we should remove you from society, and at that point, I don't care what happens to you. Now, that used to be like teenage me arguing with people and being very callous. Now that I understand that there have been people that are proven innocent and exonerated based on DNA evidence after having been on death row. That's a problem to me. And by the way, not an all too uncommon thing. It's not like, Oh, but that happens so rarely. It happens a lot. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, for someone to say, Oh, that happens so rarely. Well, how would you like it if it was you? How would you like it if it was you or someone that you cared about getting caught up in, in a wrong situation And I feel like there are people, because I used to be this person arguing as a teenager, well, if you get mixed up in that, obviously you're involved in something bad anyway, who cares? (laughs) Which is like a stupid argument, and I'm embarrassed for having ever made it, because no, cops will violate your rights and put you in a position where you are admitting that you did something or saying something that you shouldn't be saying because you don't know that you should have an attorney present. Cops can lie to you in the interrogation room. Legally, they can lie to you about things. Absolutely. So uh, I I tend to believe that 
the the government should not have the power to put someone to death. But I do sympathize with the families who were for upset sure. that that this was the result and who feel as though in order for them to have peace, they needed him to be dead. I definitely sympathize with that. And I, I feel bad that they were upset by this verdict and that they don't feel they're getting the resolution that they wanted. But resolution is going to have to look a different way because this is what the verdict was. And He's been removed from society permanently. Yeah. Life in prison, no chance of parole. He will never again be free to murder anyone else. Yeah, and I I understand the the fears associated with that, having a, a violent predator be released from prison and, and living with that fear. I have been in that situation personally. Your, your father you're talking about. Yeah, and... He is dead now. He died this year. And for me, that was a relief. So I understand the relief that comes from having someone that you are fearful of be gone. Yeah. And I I do sympathize with that. But it's just we have to grapple with these really real questions of the risk to innocent people. And is that worth the risk to innocent people who could be caught up in this system based on racism, based on whatever it is violation of their rights and 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 no i don't think it's worth i don't think it's worth the risk and we would throw this weighty question to you in the audience we would invite your input via voicemail or voice memo 657-464-7609 of course you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to i doubt it at dollamore.com i think the the true crime thing is going to be like the johnny depp thing for me where <laughs> people are going to be unhappy, but... but... I think they'd be more unhappy with me because I called them fucking weirdos or something. Okay, well... I... No, not true crime people in general, but people who are, like, obsessed with serial killers and shit. Yeah, I just... I'm talking about, like, the people who go visit, like, the homes of where, like, crimes have happened and stuff. I, I, yeah, I, that too. You know, there yeah. are people that exist like that, and unless you're an actual researcher or academic and this is your field of study and you're trying to shed light on these issues and improve access to treatment or improve public policy that will reduce these kinds of things, I don't know why someone would be that invested in it. So that's just where I come from. Well, if you, if you hate our position, you have a phone number and our email. Um, hate away. I doubt it is a listener-supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show by joining the Patreon family. Please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitpodcast. We would like to thank our new Patreon supporters, Donna G. Donna G. Laron R. Laron R. Roberto O. Roberto O. Crazy P. Crazy P. And Patrick F. Patrick F. And then we would like to thank the Patreon supporters who have increased their pledge. Yes. Lucia Z. Lucia Z. We always struggle with the Lucia because we know a Lucia. Yes. So, Lucia G. Yes. Brandy A. Brandy A. And Analam 18. Analam 18. Thank you so very much for your support of the show. We know that things are kind of in a weird spot right now because of the cancer. Cancer card. I have cancer, everybody. Cancer card, Maya. <laughs> 
And so we are. That's a weird drop. We're trying to figure out what things are going to look like as Jesse's recovering. Stay tuned on what that process looks like. Hopefully it looks like me not having cancer. Yes, that's the main thing. (laughs) And second to that is what things look like on this show. But what we do know is that I'm going to be taking over on YouTube starting on Thursday. Until Jesse has returned. So if you want to see me talking about the news, you can go to Jesse's YouTube channel. Uh, uh, let me say this. I would please, uh, it's, it's, I'm imploring everybody, not as like a mercy for Brittany because no one's going to watch the videos, but because this is what we do for a living and views are how we make a living. So please support the YouTube channel while I'm gone. Because there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding a new guest host. When we moved across the country, it was a disaster revenue-wise with guest hosts Mm -hmm. that did it for two full weeks. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be doing it for two full weeks. So please support the YouTube channel. Support Brittany and her guest hosting. And um, we have some developments that we'll talk about when all that's uh, done or in the midst of it. We'll, We'll see. Yeah. So thank you guys. We appreciate you very much. Um, You've been amazing throughout all of this. Dilemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Well, we're taking it back to California. And I cannot believe it's almost been a year since we've been in D.C., by the way. It is nuts. But there's a lot going on in California right now. A lot of news coming out of California that made it to national news because a city council person was recorded. Like the president of the Los Angeles City Council, the the chairman, the chairperson of the council. Nuri Martinez was caught on a recording making racist remarks and had to be pressured, pressured to resign. In a statement, Nuri Martinez said this in part, I wanted to see a change in my community and fight for my neighbors. This is what it has been about all along. Two other counselors heard on the same tape are ignoring calls for them to step down. Mark Strassman is in Los Angeles with more on this story. Mark, good morning to you. Good morning to you, Gail. Uh, Nuri Martinez is gone, but Nuri Fury, the citywide outrage over this leaked tape may go on, especially since those two other council members on that tape refused to resign. Their conversation was offensive, possibly illegal, too. A backroom meeting about city redistricting, and California's attorney general is now looking into it. The investigation announced Wednesday will look into whether three L.A. City Council members violated state or federal voting rights laws for conversations like the one you're about to hear. On a secretly recorded audio tape, local labor leader Ron Herrera discusses redistricting with former City Council President Nuri Martinez. Both resigned their posts this week. I get what we have to do, right? This massage to create districts that benefit you all and the future. But we got to figure out Mark's seat, too. That year-old recording, often coarse and racist, was obtained by the L.A. Times. It suggests Martinez gaming out potential ways to divvy up the district of disgraced councilman Mark Ridley-Thomas. If he resigns and the African-Americans look at this as a hostile takeover because he's gone, we'll have to figure that out because politically they're going to come after 
Ridley Thomas is suspended from his position and facing trial, scheduled to begin next month on federal bribery charges. He's pleaded not guilty. There's rot in L.A. City. There's just no other way to talk about it. We Jessica Levinson is an election law expert at Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles. These comments are not just vile. They're not just racist. They're also potentially legally problematic. What we have are discussions not just about increasing Latino voting power, but taken in context, potentially also about diluting African-American voting power. And that's where you get a potential legal issue. What's striking about Martinez's resignation statement, she apologized only to her staff. Nothing to anyone else she offended, including another council member's family and his adopted black son, whom she called in Spanish a little monkey. It's really unbelievable, Gail. So Nuri Martinez has made headlines because of those racist comments, but I'm glad that this news package talked about the other issue, which is the three people, the three council members being caught on audio talking about the need to preserve and expand Latino political power while also talking about or airing their frustrations with the city's black voters and their their power and basically how they want to draw the boundaries in the district yeah. to ensure and protect Latino voting power and reduce black voting power. You, you, you can't be a person who is opposed to gerrymandering and then be silent on this. Mm-hmm. That That is what this is. And this is like, uh, I think her name last name was Levinson, the the woman who's the election law expert at uh, Loyola Marymount, that is the dilution, the diluting of voting rights and voting power, more more accurately stated, of of black citizens of L.A. You you don't get to raise the supremacy of your particular in group while stepping on the neck of another. Right. We should all be opposed to that. Right. And so this process about redistricting, the council finalized their maps in December, two months after this meeting was held. And so now there are calls to get rid of the map. Yeah. Get rid of this redistricting map and draw new ones. And I don't know who wouldn't support that. Because obviously you had people creating this map. Motivated. Who were motivated to remove political power from one demographic and try to solidify political power for another demographic. And by the way, if you're not uh, acutely uh, aware, familiar with the politics of Los Angeles, this Democrat on Democrat crime here is what's going on. This is not, oh yeah, we need to box out the conservatives so the Democrats can get their agenda passed. This is, these are all Democrats. This is terrible shit. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's gl- good. It's, I'm glad that she resigned, mm-hmm. but more heads need to roll. Yeah, absolutely. And oh, we got to we gotta stay on top of that. And hopefully people in California are staying on top of that story. We'd love to know, do you live in LA? Do you live in California? Yes. What are your thoughts on this? 657-464-7609. Email a voice memo. I doubt it at dollamore.com. So we're going to take a little detour through some dumbness really quick and talk about... <laughs> We're going to detour through the dumbness. Joe Rogan Woo-hoo! had Tulsi Gabbard on. Mm, of course he did. You know, Tulsi Gabbard made her um, long-awaited announcement about no longer being a Democrat. Water also breaking news. Pretty wet. 
And she came out and talked about how she's super concerned about anti-white racism. And Seriously. So she's really going after the uh, Donald Trump faction of the Republican Party, obviously. And so she went on Joe Rogan, and Joe Rogan did his typical talking out of his ass and decided to continue to spread a conspiracy theory that has uh, uh, popped up on the right about litter boxes in schools for kids who identify as cats. There's kids, ready for this? My friend, his wife, is a school teacher. And she works at a school that had to install a litter box in the girls' room because there is a girl who's a furry who identifies as an animal. And her mother badgered the school until they agreed to put a litter box in one of the stalls. So this girl goes into the litter room or to the, the girls' room and urinates or whatever. I don't know if she poops in it. That's pretty gross. <laughs> That's you know I mean? Like, if you could teach your cat, by the way, here's the thing. If you could teach your cat to use the toilet, you would. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. Like, you don't want a box of piss <laughs> yeah, in your right. house. It's the worst. I've had cats my whole life. Okay. It's the worst thing about having cats. you got to clean that box of piss every day. Yeah. Like, it's the greatest thing about dogs. They go outside. Like, you're, you're a fucking the human. The cats got their humans trained. <laughs> Imagine how crazy that is. You're a fucking human being, and you prefer a litter box. You want to piss into a, a pile of sand rather than use a bathroom yeah. that you could flush the toilet, wipe yourself like a normal person person like you're so crazy with uh, what you think an animal is that not only have you said this but you've conned the school yeah. into putting this fucking litter box in a girl's room yeah which is bananas it is it's absolutely insane it's also a fucking lie <laughs> joe rogan doesn't have a friend whose wife is a teacher in a school where there's a litter box for a child who identifies as a cat this is a fucking lie. He's a liar. He is a liar, and we know it's a lie because it, it sounds like a lie. <laughs> Common sense, it's a fucking lie. Okay, there's three reasons we know it's a lie. Number one, it sounds like a lie, even though Tulsi Gabbard, when she when she heard it, she says, oh my goodness. What? Listen to this factual story I'm being told. <laughs> also, anti-white racism, everyone. Yeah, we also know it's a lie because there would be proof of that. Joe Rogan's friend who's married to a teacher or whatever he said. Yeah, why doesn't he name the fucking school? Name the school. There would be a picture of it. It would be out there. He would be breaking the news. This His audience would eat it up. He would love to present the evidence, right? But he's not doing that. And number three... Also, we, no one else's. This is not just a claim from Joe Rogan. Yeah, no, this, this is all over the right, and no one ever says specifically where. Exactly. And so... Because they're fucking liars three we know it's a lie because of reporters like ben collins who has debunked this story and actually found the source of the story yeah this is an old-fashioned word-of-mouth urban legend but it uses things like facebook and tiktok to push it along you know you'll see posts from everywhere in this country almost every state in this country where we found public posts claiming this was happening at the uh local school district in their town they said on facebook it also you know at this point it's evolved into car dealerships and other places around the country saying that there are litter boxes just out in the open uh, for people to use these are not true this is just a complete lie uh, made up by people attempting to attack trans people but there is we called one school district where they have litter boxes 
Um, it's not for trans kids. It's not for furries or whatever. It's for school shootings. Mm. They have litter boxes in go buckets. Uh, if a, uh, a school shooting situation goes on for hours, you have kids in a room together. Um, and we found that in the same school district, Jefferson County, that Columbine happened in. So they take this grain of truth um, from years ago, five years ago, where they, this was brought up. And uh, they use it for this culture war fight that uh, is, frankly, to me, inexcusable. And you, Jesse, brought up a an important point earlier when we were talking about this story. And you said Joe Rogan is either two things. And I, I didn't I can't say it as well as you did. So do you want to? I don't remember my exact language, but I mean, it's it's he's either uh, just a uh, an abject dumb fuck who really <laughs> buys this, who really believes the conspiracy theory because he's so fucking stupid or he's a sinister actor who want, wants to forward this conspiracy theory to do damage to the left and specifically damage to trans people. This is anti-trans bigotry disguised not even clumsily as something else. I mean, it's the whole fucking dumb joke about, uh, I identify as a lamb. Mm-hmm. And so if someone sees a litter box like or cat litter, which is used to like soak up oil, at you know, on car dealership lots and shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, that must be because they have employees that identify as fucking cats. Mm-hmm. Do they do that when they see power outlets like, uh, oh, you see, they have employees that identify as lamps. Mm-hmm. That's what they're doing here. <laughs> yeah. This is fucking insane. And it's a systematic way to harm the trans community. So on that question, is Joe Rogan dumb or sinister, where do you land? I don't know. I'm really asking the question. I, I don't know. I uh, He's obviously not an absolute dumb fuck because he has built a media empire. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. You can't be that fucking stupid. You don't fall ass forward into that. Mm-hmm. So I guess I guess in real time here, I guess he's sinister. Yeah. I guess he is. And so, he knows his audience are filled with dumb fucks. So I lean toward that too. And I'm glad that you said that because I was going to slam you for being very wrong oh, if yeah. you talked about the dumbness. Because, <laughs> well, we have Alex Jones queued up next. And this is a perfect illustration. Oh, yeah, here we do. Number this, five. This is, an, this is a perfect illustration, I think, of this point. Because Joe Rogan still still defends Alex Jones. And as as we all know, Alex Jones had another ver- well, hang on. verdict handed not, down. Not only does he defend Alex Jones, he has said, this is all, probably a, a not a direct exact quote, but pretty fucking close, that Alex Jones is more right than he is wrong. He really does defend Alex Jones as being a credible source of information. Yeah, and as we all know, the result of the defamation case with the Sandy Hook families this week in Connecticut was that he needs to pay nearly a billion dollars. $965 million. And let's let's listen to how how Alex Jones was reacting in real time while watching the jury read the verdict. And, and as we're listening to Alex Jones reacting in real time, let's remember that he's friends with Joe Rogan and has been defended by Joe Rogan. And from Remington... Ain't going to be happening. Ain't no money. Our verdict as to damages in this case, we award damages to each plaintiff and against Alex Jones and three... I killed the kids, folks. Number one, compensatory damages. 
instructions. Fill in both numbers for each plaintiff, then go to Now remember, I'm in bankruptcy. we got two years of appeals. The money you donate does not go to these people. It goes to fight this fraud, and it goes to stabilize the company. They want to shut down. That's why the the, 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 the ambulance chasers did this, why they use these families. So SaveInfoWars.com. We're fighting Goliath. We'll win because of you. SaveInfoWars.com. InfoWarsStore.com. Double Patriot points, 10% off of 1776 right now at InfoWarsStore. But you see, you want somebody to fight for you? I'm doing it, and you see what they do. So you want, you want to fight? That's fine. It's your decision. But that's where we are. That's the whacked out system of the left. Did we hit a billion guys? These people. Yeah. He's talking about the Sandy Hook families who are in that courtroom crying and have been put through hell. Apoplectic while the, the, the verdict is being read, but been, while the awards are being read. They've been put through hell because of Alex Jones, and he still has the audacity to refer to them as these people. Yeah, and ambulance chasers and double Patriot points in 1776. We're going to make this about freedom. Yeah, so again, he goes on and asks, do these people actually think they're going to get this money? $57 Fifty-seven million, twenty million, fifty million, eighty million, hundred million. Blah blah. You get a million. You get a hundred million. You get a fifty million. So he's for just me, mocking. He's just mocking the verdict. Right. For me, this question of is Joe Rogan dumb or sinister is similar to the question that has recently been asked as Maggie Haberman is making the rounds about Donald Trump. Is is Donald Trump racist? And at one point, she said, "Listen, how many events, comments." instances of racism do we need to encounter that come from him before we acknowledge the reality she said something like that she didn't just come out and say yes but it's the same thing for joe rogan because the answer is fucking yes yeah it's the same thing for joe rogan how many people does he need to platform how many times does he need to defend alex jones in the face of this absolute insanity how many times does he have to literally embrace him yeah and how many times does he need to embrace the conspiracy theories of the right about litter boxes in schools and kids who identify as cats before we acknowledge who he is and what he is. How many times does he have to endorse Ron DeSantis for president of the United States before we dispense with this fucking myth that he's a, a lefty, that he's a liberal? Come yeah, on. I mean, honestly, I we've been asking this question for years and when we first started criticizing Joe Rogan, we got a lot of pushback. Right. It was very controversial. Now it's less so because I think a lot of people are, are starting to see the light. But he still by the way, has... By the way, the same thing happened when we criticized Tulsi Gabbard. The same thing has happened when we criticized Glenn Greenwald. It, get your sourcing here, folks. This is... <laughs> we, got, we got it on lock. You know what I mean? Come on now. Sometimes. Sometimes. For the most part. So, yeah. We don't know what it's going to take, but he still has one of the most popular podcasts. So hopefully soon people will start to understand. But talking about Donald Trump, there was a lot of Trump news this week, including the January 6th committee meeting. It seemed it seemed very. Did I just say seemed it? It seemed it seemed very. No, 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 no. It seemed it. It seemed it very. Very sudden. I don't remember there being an announcement for the one well, we that were, happened. We've. I don't know if you know, Brittany, but I have cancer. Right. And uh, that day we had a um, my my pre pre surgical op, uh, appointment for anesthesia, so I had yeah. to go in and tell they, them they gave you anesthesia just to practice. <laughs> That's right. 
<laughs> Put me under for a few minutes just to see how it goes. Yeah. No, they drug tested you and did blood work. And then on the way out, we realized, oh, fuck, this thing is happening. Yeah. And so we were listening to it on the drive back just in time to hear the committee unanimously vote to subpoena Donald Trump. Tonight, a dramatic move by the House January 6th committee. There are nine eyes and zero nose. Voting unanimously to subpoena former President Trump. He is required to answer for his actions. Though it's a step legal experts say is likely just symbolic, today's hearing essentially the committee's closing argument against the former president before the midterms. Over the course of these hearings, the evidence has proven that there were a multi-part plan led by former President Donald Trump to overturn the 2020 election. The committee revealing new documents obtained from the Secret Service, agents raising alarms the morning of January 6th. It was clear that the Secret Service anticipated violence. It felt like the calm before the storm, one agent predicted in a Protective Intelligence Division chat group. Another remarked how agents were watching the crazies on live stream. Including reports there were armed members of the crowd outside Mr. Trump's speech. The crowd outside the magnetometers was armed and the agents knew it. And the panel argued former President Trump wanted to lead his supporters to the Capitol, showing an email stating the Secret Service was concerned. And during the hearing, stunning new video, congressional leaders inside the Capitol during the riot, pleading for help. Why don't you get the president to tell them to leave the Capitol, Mr. Attorney General? They're putting on their tear gas masks. It's just horrendous and all at the instigation of the president of the United States. Republicans have blasted the committee as a partisan sham. Every member was selected by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Tonight, Mr. Trump saying, why didn't the unselect committee ask me to testify months ago? Because the committee is a total bust that has only served to further divide our country. Committee member and fierce Trump critic Liz Cheney will soon be leaving Congress after losing in a landslide in her Wyoming Republican primary. Today, Cheney with this warning. What happens when the president disregards the court's rulings as illegitimate, when he disregards the rule of law? That, my fellow citizens, breaks our republic. And Kristen with me live now. While this was happening separately, the Supreme Court handed Mr. Trump a legal defeat. That's right, Lester. In an unsigned one-sentence ruling, the Supreme Court rejected former President Trump's request to have a third party and his lawyers review the roughly 100 classified documents that were seized at Mar-a-Lago. It's a blow to former President Trump and a win for the Justice Department, Lester. All right. Kristen Walker, good to have you here tonight. So two things here. One is obviously about the subpoena for Donald Trump. He has talked on uh, Truth Social before. Well, they're not asking me to come and testify. I would love to testify. I'll set the record straight. And then when they subpoena him, it's fucking crickets. Very, very unlikely he's going to go without taking this to court, mm-hmm. without defying the legally issued subpoena, the lawful subpoena issued by this committee. The other thing it's got a little traction, but not enough, is, is that this implicates the, the Secret Service. They knew, they have proof now, they knew about armed members, many, countless armed members of this mob that were going to descend upon the United States Capitol 
and the Secret Service, who also, which also is responsible for the safety of the Vice President of the United States, allowed him to go into the belly of the beast, into harm's way, amid this armed band of insurrectionists. It's If there is a conspiracy afoot, if there is a seditious conspiracy that has been entered into, and I believe there has been, I mean, people have pled guilty to the charge, there are members of the United States Secret Service who should also be charged. It was also revealed that an FBI official actually warned that a, quote, sizable percentage of those in in the FBI were sympathetic to yeah. the Capitol rioters and went through in this letter and actually notated specific examples of people that he had encountered that expressed various sympathies and the types of media that was being consumed in various field offices, like Newsmax being yeah. on the TV. So that is definitely a concerning element to all of this. But Donald Trump did actually release a statement and took time to respond to the subpoena. And it wasn't uh, anything defending necessarily his actions, but focused mostly on the crowd size. Ali, it's great to see you this Friday. First off, we know that Trump's response essentially sort of relitigates his usual talking points, but he doesn't actually explicitly say whether or not he's going to testify. So what then happens next? How, how does the committee plan to move forward? They're going to continue doing what they said they were going to do yesterday, voting to subpoena the former president. And I'm told that that subpoena will officially be sent in the early part of next week. What comes next is, frankly, up to the former president. You're right that he sent the committee a letter today, Chairman Benny Thompson, getting a letter from Trump that effectively said all the things that he's been saying on the campaign trail, saying that the election was stolen from him, when, of course, we know that it was not, but not weighing in either way on whether or not he'll actually comply with that subpoena. But look, in my conversations with sources and committee members, they knew that subpoenaing Donald Trump would not be a glide path to him complying and coming to sit down before the committee. Instead, they thought that voting unanimously yesterday to subpoena him was something that they just needed to do for the record, a sign to show that they were willing to go to that level of accountability. And look, they want to speak to the former president, but they know, given everything that we know about Trump, that that's not likely to happen, and if it does, that it will definitely take more than just a simple act of a subpoena. It's likely that Trump would fight it. And this 14-page memo that was issued by Donald Trump and sent to the committee, uh, some reporter was looking at the metadata of the of the memo, and it was authored by some dum-dum from OAN. So he is still surrounding himself with a diminishing number of, of people, all of whom have zero credibility or political acumen at all. Right. So. He's kind of an isolated, caged animal here, and it's going to be interesting to see what he does related to it, uh, defying the subpoena, and then what our milk toast DOJ is going to do with um, Merrick Garland at the helm to hold him accountable. Yeah, well, he has all kinds of different things coming at him from all different directions right now. This week, he's supposed to sit for a deposition in the Gene Carroll rape case mm-hmm. that Donald Trump has been accused of raping Gene Carroll. Also a defamation case. And so he needs to respond to that this week. And then also, of course, the New York Attorney General who is taking on the Trump organization and actually had to ask a judge to stop Donald Trump from moving assets to a new company, Trump Organization 2. And to talk about this, CBS News investigative reporter Graham Cates is here with us in Studio 57. Uh, Graham, good morning. Good to see you. Glad to have you with us. Uh, So what does this all mean exactly? What is the attorney general worried about here that 
the Trump organization may be doing with this new company? Well, so the the thing that they say they suspect is that this new company, which was set up in Delaware and not New York uh, and registered in New York the very day that uh, the attorney general sued the Trump organization. Mm. And what they say is they're worried that they're going to start moving assets in a way that will prevent the state from recovering what they're asking for, which is significant. Remember, they're they're suing the Trump organization for two hundred fifty million dollars, as well as trying to shut down their New York based operations. Mm-hmm. And of course, they're saying, you know, if the, the operations are moved out of state before this is all resolved, that's a problem for us. The very day that timing is sort of interesting, mm-hmm. isn't it, Graham? All right. So what is the AG asking the court to do then to keep, as it says, the Trump organization in line? This is you hear this commonly with these Trump cases. They're asking for an independent monitor um, for who with whom uh, every time the Trump organization submits, um, whether it's a new statement of financial condition, which is this uh, a lengthy document that describes the companies and Trump's finances to a bank or whether they move assets. They, this would be someone who would have to say, this is OK with me. I, I'm, I'm logging it. I'm OKing it. And, and we're making sure we know where all the, the, the money and the assets are. Mm-hmm. How has the company responded to all of this? What's at stake here? So they, there's a kind of a three-point response that they gave. Uh, the first thing is this, uh, almost at this point, boilerplate thing where they say New York Attorney General Letitia James is being political. Um, and, and you get that every time you get a statement from the Trump Organization for several years now uh, about the New York Attorney General. They say that. Um, and then they said that they've provided uh, assurances in writing that they're not doing anything improper. Now, that was very careful phrasing. They didn't say that we're not moving assets. They said that we're not doing anything improper. And then the third part is really interesting. They said this is an attempt by the attorney general to keep the same judge in place who oversaw this lengthy investigation. And that's actually in this in this last month, that's been where the fighting in the court mm-hmm. has been. Letitia, um, I'm sorry, uh, the Trump organization wants a different judge. They, they're, they're not happy with the one that has already overseen the investigation. Mm-hmm. And the attorney general is saying for efficiency's sake, this is a massive case. This this guy knows it keep it with the same judge. And now that's what they're fighting about. Uh, and, and so, Graham, this investigation has been ongoing for a while. It seems to be coming to a head. What is the timeline here? When will the trial take place? So that all plays into the same thing. It should be a simple answer, right? So the attorney general has asked for the trial to begin in late 2023. That's just a year. That's actually very fast for, for a case uh, of this kind of sweeping mm. magnitude. Uh, and they said that's because the judge that we want has, has knows everything. There's like a million pages of documents in this case, and he's reviewed almost all of them. And the, uh, the Trump organization is saying there's a better court in New York for this. And that judge will have to, if, if it gets moved there, they'll have to review everything. So they haven't even said, let's delay it. There, but, but you can kind of read the tea leaves on that. If they move it to a new one, then, then it won't be by late 2023. 20, 20, same shit, different day. Yeah. He wants a different judge. He wants a special master. It's whatever he can throw into the mix to disrupt and delay and try to avoid consequences that yeah. he, I don't know if he knows they're inevitable because he tries these tricks and can push things off for so long and, and just waste everyone's time. But wanting a different judge is just another trick, another yeah. attempt to delay. Yeah. Well, that's been his pattern and practice for years and years and years uh, is delay, 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 even on lawsuits that are brought not against him, but him to other people. Mm-hmm. It's it's the theatrics of it all. Right. But now it seems like there very well could be some consequences for Donald Trump at the hands of Letitia James, who did have success in getting his foundation shut down. Mm-hmm. I mean, he and his sons cannot be 
on the board of any charities in the state of New York because of their chicanery in past years. So she has a track record of efficacy related to all these matters. Absolutely. All right. Well, what do you guys think? Are we going to see consequence for Donald Trump? Do you have opinions about these specific instances that we've been talking about? We would love to hear from you. 657-464-7609 or I doubt it at dollamore.com. It's the asshole of today. Laura Trump. Oh, more from the Trump family. Laura Trump is apparently a political commentator on mm. Fox News. Yeah, Paige. She's on the payroll. Perfect. And she was on talking about fentanyl, making it clear that she knows absolutely nothing about fentanyl. You have to ingest it. Yeah, you look at the police officers who, when they just pat people down and they find it, if it touches their fingers, they, they literally go into shock and almost die mm-hmm. from it. Some, I think, have died from it. The, the, the idea that you could have a kid anywhere in America, if, if one child dies from this on Halloween, I got to tell you, we have to take action to stop this right now because parents are terrified and we have no answers. What are we supposed to do? They're going to go trick-or-treating. So, so Democrats ruin Halloween too. That's, Man, they God really damn. do. They ruin everything. That's, they that's really it. do. And for the first time in our... So here's the deal. It's not Halloween yet. It's it's now October 16th, 2022. Mm-hmm. Making a, a preemptive production, prediction. Are you ready for this? Here we go. I, Jesse Dalimore... <laughs> Hereby declare there will not be a single death on Halloween of children from incidental contact with rainbow fentanyl in their Halloween candy. Not one. And then after Halloween on November 1st or 2nd or 3rd or any time, there won't be a, oh, wow. Yeah, actually, none of that happened that we've been talking about for a full month on Fox News. Yeah. Nobody's going to, just like there weren't razor blades and apples when I was a kid or whatever the fuck the fat of the day was to, to, to be worried about on Halloween. Yeah. But, but they know that and it doesn't matter to Fox News. It's the outrage, the fear mongering and the propaganda that they're dedicated to. Yeah. Just like Jesus hasn't returned yet. And there's all these wait, prophecies wait. all the time that he he's going to come back and the, the doomsday prepper people that say the world's going to end and then the date never comes yeah, when yeah. it, so this is the same exact thing every year they're complaining about Halloween. And unfortunately this Halloween rainbow fentanyl thing comes from the United States drug enforcement administration who released a statement saying that they have, identified some sort of marketing scheme by Mexican cartels and street dealers who want the p- the pills to look like candy so that they appeal to children and young people. Now, I'm not the first one to tell you this, but it's good to be suspicious of things the DEA says because yeah. they may not always be factual. Well, it's also, it keeps them having a job if they can gin up. I mean, it, it, it perpetuates the need for the very existence of their agency if they create these, these fear. This fear in, in American, uh, the, the American psyche. Yeah, and drug policy experts are skeptical of the warning from the DEA. And this is primarily because 
they don't believe that there is any new campaign that is targeting children, mostly because that doesn't make sense. Like, children are not a profitable... Right. I mean, listen, hospitals right now are shutting down their pediatric wards and their pediatric elements of their hospitals because they're not profitable. The, the, The drugs is certainly not a profit center related to children. Right. Also, the whole rainbow thing, colored pills... That's not unique. Right. That's not unique at all. In fact, if you ask people who study and research illegal drugs, they will tell you that they see pills of various colors on a daily basis, all different colors, pinks, yellow, green, fuchsia, aqua. Yeah. The most common, I think, is blue. But Viagra. Again, you. this is not unique. Rainbow fentanyl. Oh, the color is appealing to kids. No, it's how they distinguish their product. Haven't you seen the documentary Breaking Bad? I mean... <laughs> But seriously, that's that is how they distinguish yeah, their product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and according to drug policy experts interviewed by NPR, there is just across the board skepticism about this and warnings to parents that you do not need to worry about this. And yeah. listen, think about the the illogical statements made by Laura Trump. They act like if you even get near it, if you even get near fentanyl, yeah, you're going to overdose and die. But then there's people that are like putting it in candy and then the candy's going to be passed out to the children. Like, I thought that you die instantaneously when it's in your presence. Like, well, apparently there's going to be, a la the documentary Breaking Bad, people in hazmat suits handing out candy. <laughs> so here's the deal. Just avoid the houses where they're handing it out in hazmat suits. Yeah. <laughs> so listen, let's, let's, let's mark this on the calendar. In two weeks, when none of this comes to pass... Let's let's revisit this, that Fox News, because if there were a spate of deaths from children touching or ingesting fentanyl given in their candy, you know Fox News would be jumping on that to report on it. And it's going to be fucking crickets from Fox News. Yeah, well, that's the other thing. They're acting like they are marketing this to children specifically because they want to get children hooked. But again, it kills anyone that it touches. So... (laughs) How are they going to make money from the dead kids? Well, we should ask drug expert Laura Trump to elucidate us on the matter. And let's also just say that NPR sent a list of questions to the DEA asking for an interview or for just more detailed evidence to support their claims. Oh, wait, let me guess. More crickets. Well, yeah. And (laughs) NPR reports, quote, on background... DEA officials said their investigations show traffickers are targeting young people in part by using social media, but they declined to offer specifics. Yeah. So this is why there is widespread skepticism among drug policy experts and people who actually research street drugs and who are very familiar with what's going on with illegal substances on the street. So do you need to be worried about your kid's Halloween candy? Just like every other year, the answer is no. Yeah. We'd love to know what you think, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone as I do my DJ voice. I doubt it at Alamore.com. Is that it? That's that's all. We love you guys. We appreciate you. I will be gone for the foreseeable future. I'm hoping only two weeks. There may be guest host with Brittany Page. That would be fantastic. Um, I love you guys. I appreciate you very much. All of your love. Your, your support, it has meant so much. Until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore. 
And this has been I Doubt.